0: Hi, it's Dr. Greg Jantz and today on Hope and Possibility, and there is hope, we're going to be talking about the confusion around what is an eating disorder and why there's hope for eating disorders. Stay with me. Dr. Gregory Jans is a best-selling author of over 45 books and the founder of the Center A Place of Hope, voted a top 10 center for depression treatment in the U.S. As the pioneer of whole person care, Dr. Jance is known as the messenger of hope. Now the nation's expert on anxiety, depression, substance abuse, relationships, trauma, and PTSD, here is Dr. Gregory Jance. As an eating disorder professional, in fact, there's a classification that's called Certified Eating Disorder Professional. And I'm really glad we have this level of expertise and training for eating disorders. I'm also a approved supervisor through the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals. What's all that mean? It means you have lots and lots of hours and years of treating eating disorders. And I have to tell you, Some of you may remember the name Karen Carpenter. It was in the early 80s that we saw the eating disorders suddenly increase. And when I use the term eating disorder, well, back then, it was anorexia and bulimia, self-starvation or binging and purging. And we have eating disorders today because there is a way of coping with pain that we can transfer into our relationship with food. Really just that simple. Now, when I first began, I began treating eating disorders and it really was in the early eighties. So been doing this for a while and I had a vision of how do you approach eating disorders differently? Eating disorders, unfortunately, were labeled as hopeless. Many times I noticed in my early research that healthcare professionals referred to eating disorders as the revolving door patient. What's a revolving door patient? Yeah, it's that patient that never gets well. They're in and out of the clinic or hospitals, and we don't have much hope for them. And for me, that was a big challenge. How do we provide hope and healing for eating disorders? Again, anorexia or bulimia. Today, our language and terminology has greatly, greatly expanded. We have uh, various uh, combinations of those two words and even things like orthorexia, and uh, we have bolexia, we have combined and in some ways probably uh, created more confusion, but in our efforts to narrowly define what is an eating disorder and what type of eating disorder do I have, uh, we have now different diagnostic categories. I first was literally exposed to uh, the severity of eating disorders at a women's prison. I spent time in my education uh, at a women's prison and I was assigned to the special needs section. And there in the special needs section at that time, it was the center compound of the prison and it was where they could keep eyes on these Uh, women. At that time, it held 25. And it was um, those that they labeled at that time. Again, I'm just telling you how it was labeled then as special needs. And so they would keep an eye on them. And I was assigned to that, that section of the prison. I quickly learned that Uh, As a young professional, there were times uh, of great intensity in those that uh, were labeled with special needs because in that compound, we had a lot of eating disorders. Now, mainly, it was anorexia. Some of those uh, women were self-starving, I think, as a way to just get off of planet Earth. It was a slow suicide. And I began my personal quest. Well, how do you help somebody with an eating disorder? Because the literature at that time said there were two words that came up over and over. Eating disorders are cunning and baffling, which means we don't really have very good solutions for them. So we went about, after my experience there, of of really, what do you do to help? And I began to look at the ingredients of whole person care as it was applied to an eating disorder? How do we address spiritual needs? How do we even look at that? How do we look at body physiology and the physical aspect? An eating disorder is much more than just weight, uh, underweight or overweight. It's so much more than that. What happens to the body over time? Uh, The physiology, the body chemistry, the brain chemistry, the digestion. We began to look at What are the effects? What happens in the digestive system? And then how do we look at relationships past? Is there been trauma Uh, relationships in our life that were significant? What happened to those relationships? Was there abuse, any form of abuse? Uh, We looked at sexual abuse and physical abuse. And not every eating disorder victim had sexual or physical abuse but one area of abuse that really stood out was that of emotional abuse unmet emotional needs neglect purposeful intent to cause harm nearly everybody with an eating disorder connected into emotional abuse and so from there it was really uh, one of my first books. We wrote a book called Healing the Scars of Emotional Abuse. And this really came out of our early work with eating disorders. As we began to dive deeper into the whole person, uh, we began to look at what does the research say? Is there any research? That, what are the components? What? How does a person recover? If in the early days of an eating disorder, they really were... Uh, seen as cunning and baffling we don't understand them and they don't have we don't have much hope for their recovery that was what sent me on my quest in my personal journey to create a system of care for eating disorders that looked at the whole person to see, can we bring about healing and recovery? And it was in, I believe, 1992, we did the first edition. You, you see, I, I I still got my pages marked, the first edition of Hope, Help, and Healing for Eating Disorders. And we looked at this whole person approach and really we looked at, okay, what, Does food addiction or how does food addiction fit in this? How about brain chemistry and brain science? What happens? And so this is our whole person approach. I come into this uh, with a bias towards believing that a single approach or just um, addressing just with medication uh, that we're going to see, I propose, some very short-term results and really not get us to where we want to go. Commonalities of all eating disorders, no matter all the different combinations of, of word choices and uh, eating disorder not otherwise specified. Well, what is that? Um, we have uh, those individuals that um, have a variance of, of different symptoms, but it all leads back. Where does that root cause go to. So we're interested in dealing with root causes. And we know that um, oh, approximately three months of binging on food and purging, for example, will begin to alter chemistries. We can create a depressed and anxious brain simply by binging and purging. And yet we know that this is the one way that a person can and both male and female can process their emotions through food or through restricting from food. That's the avenue to process emotions. What does that do? Well, one area that is very important that we look at is um, in our digestive system, we manufacture approximately 90% of two very important chemicals through our intestinal flora and I'm making it super easy but it really does clarify what happens we make serotonin in our gut it has a lot to do with mood and sleep and appetite we also manufacture our dopamine levels uh and that's the chemical that causes us to feel good as well and serves some other functions So, we have a connection between our gut, and sometimes our gut's referred to as the second brain, our gut and our brain up here. And that connection is something called the vagus nerve. Well, really what we need to know is that's the communication highway between the gut and the brain. And if we're not manufacturing in our gut via our intestinal flora, that healthy bacteria, uh, those chemicals we need, such as serotonin, dopamine, which is amazing how it's designed. Because then from there, it goes via the vagus nerve to the brain to supply this brain with uh, what is needed one of the things that you'll know uh, with an eating disorder is emotion or emotion regulation is very difficult what's that look like i could have the depths of despair because my brain's not getting what it needs i may have trouble regulating not only emotions but regulating my appetite and what is going on in my appetite and very confused because after a while i don't know am i hungry Uh, or not. And then I become afraid of hunger. And what that means that I will actually lose control of my food. Now, I haven't even mentioned yet binge eating, but uh, binge eating could be sometimes classified as a food addiction. There are those with an eating disorder such as bulimia that just binge. Oh, by the way, what is bulimia? Usually we think of bulimia eating a high amount of high caloric food in a very short time. And then uh, finding a way to deal with that. We either purge or throw it up. We use diuretics. Uh, we use exercise. But in some way, we have to offset that food binge. And this is a cycle. A person struggling with eating disorder will say, Okay, okay, I'm going to be really good this week. And that's how we're thinking. And then suddenly, three days later, the intensity grows so great that you actually end up binging and purging and repeating the cycle. This is why sometimes we see this as classified as an addiction. Has a very predictable cycle uh, and it's very addictive you may end up having your own favorite high caloric foods and i've worked with binge eaters through the years that uh, much like let's say an alcoholic will hide uh, hide their candy or hide their food behind books in a bookcase make sure they got their food hidden in the office place and uh, then you've got to always have your secret stash I've worked with individuals who on their way home from work will go buy a fast food uh, place and buy some large amounts of food uh, and have it all time just to get home to, to binge. And in order not to be recognized, they will circulate. I had a lady that I worked with and she had three different fast food places that she would rotate so, so it would never seem like she was going there at the same time person with the eating disorder and that desire to binge, it intensifies, intensifies, and it emerges as such a strong, it feels like a strong force. I have to engage in this behavior. And so it's an up and down, up and down. You have to look at brain chemistry You need to look at sleep cycles and what's going on in sleep. I worked for two years at a sleep research laboratory at the University of Washington, and I can tell you the importance of what happens in our sleep cycles and our food. Very important. But we were looking at these things early uh, through the 80s, early 90s, and began to look at what happens in the digestion and what happens if we begin to work on creating a happier, healthy gut. And we began to work with probiotics and prebiotics and began to try to restore um, a gut health or that second brain, the gut. And what did that do to this brain? And some of these were, at that time, maybe novel or unusual. And uh, this is why today as a part of our team. We have uh, naturopathic care, uh, full medical care. We have the dietitian. We want to blend uh, all this together so that we can do all we can do to, I, I call it stewarding or stewardship of our physical and emotional body. How do we steward this and care for it? And at times we need to rebuild it and move it into a different direction. Uh, it takes time one of the things that i know an eating disorder took time to get there i know there's a lot of shame i know there's secrecy i know there's embarrassment uh i know at times there's very strong denial and we tell ourselves nope i'm fine and 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 we start to believe at times our own thinking so an eating disorder a person can break from reality I uh, literally have worked uh, through the years here at the Center of Place of Hope. It, it's thousands of individuals with um, some degree, I look at it on a continuum, some degree of an unhealthy relationship with food. And what are the core issues that have to be addressed for everybody? I don't like a person uh, who just says, I have an eating disorder and that that's where it is. I don't like that type of thinking where you label yourself and say, well, that's just the way I am. Um, so my goal is no let's let's begin to uh, put in a plan it'll take some time over time that is restorative and renewing and that your self-identity is not i'm bulimic or i'm anorexic uh, that we are dismantling those labels uh, in your life because they are not serving you well to be who you um, i would say are called to become we get on a direction much like addiction where an eating disorder takes you down a road you never thought you would go. And I have seen very, very severe situations of underweight. We have had women who have done so much purging and throwing up uh, so many times throughout the day that they have actually torn um, the esophagus, the lining on the esophagus, and they begin to throw up blood. So these are the kinds of things that we've seen. And you go, really, is there hope? I have to tell you, there is hope. And uh, on some of the videos uh, on on A Place of Hope, there's a section of eating disorders. And sometimes you just have to hear it directly from the person uh, to, to, yes, there is hope. I mean, I can say that. I can say, yeah, I've seen so many and I know um, what things are like a year and a year beyond, but it is something that you really have to hear somebody who's walked in recovery. Now, we also believe that we've got to have a life purpose or there's got to be things in our life that gives us meaning. There's a reason to wake up in the morning that's greater than my identity of an eating disorder. I'm getting up and living this day because there's a purpose for my life. That needs to be a part of the healing and recovery. Okay, Um, one of the resources... uh, that uh, sections in this book is the nutritional section as it relates to um, nutrients and micronutrients. For example, your gut you manufacture in that healthy bacteria the most of the B vitamins. Isn't that fascinating that we manufacture our own B vitamins? Again, think of B vitamins. Well, sometimes we think of, of stress, but for nervous system, they're calming. Their B, B vitamins tie back a lot to emotional well being. Well, if I'm purging, throwing up, not eating well, uh, over time, I'm destroying that healthy bacteria. My body's not manufacturing the things it needs, so I don't have adequate B vitamins. I don't have uh, the dopamine and the serotonin levels that I need in order to function healthy. This is why, I'll tell you, uh, we believe in the IV nutrient therapy. An IV of a custom, uh, it's a custom bag, if you will, or formula uh, based upon your nutrient deficiencies. And it's IV or intravenous way of putting some of that nutrition or micronutrients and nutrients back in the body, even amino acids. Uh, for example, uh, tryptophan is an amino acid that the body w- converts into the serotonin. And uh, there's some steps that have to occur, but that's an important amino acid that we can help uh, supply uh, via an IV. Here's what we've noticed. People who do some of the, and granted, let me just say it. Some of it sounds a little alternative. Well, it's a little whole person care is what it is. Um, We just find, wow, I start to replace nutrients that my body is really deficient in. What begins to happen? I start to feel better. My brain function and clarity starts to come back. And I really begin to take advantage and have like, like I have the energy to take advantage of the different things that I'm doing in uh, counseling. And things start to go, oh, I feel a little more encouraged because I feel better physically. So if we can help you feel better physically, those are some of the first steps of recovery, because then I feel more motivated. Like, I don't feel like I have chronic fatigue so much. I don't feel that I'm living in a habitual brain fog. So important steps, Uh, look at the whole person approach. Um, This um, approach uh, also recognizes that there are times that it is simply overwhelming. Uh, The guilt, the shame, uh, perhaps the abuse, um, that you feel that you have no sense of self, and that no sense of self is brought to you to a, a really a crossroads that says, "Is my life even worth living and this is where the eating disorder gets that gets that stronghold in your life and it pulls you down a path uh, of hopelessness, and it feels like helplessness and so eating disorders really can be life or death. It pulls you on that path uh, to take you away from all hope. So an eating disorder comes in many different forms, no matter what label. If I say food addiction, bulimic, binge eating disorder, anorexic, orthorexia, those who want to eat super clean, and they become so obsessed with clean food. Um, I did see, uh, I was in a, a natural foods grocery store and I, I saw a guy that um, he would be Mr. Organic and I looked at him and had a brief conversation, but everything about him said he's taken this too far. <laughs> okay. Uh, he didn't look healthy. He wasn't vibrant. He seemed depressed. I, I, in fact, a little concerned about him, and couldn't make decisions around food, and nothing was clean enough. Nothing was organic enough. Had to know, well, where was it grown, etc. So the joy of food and nutrition, and the joy of, of, of being vibrant, of having vibrant health. Because usually we think of eating healthy. We want to have vibrant health. Uh, that that wasn't happening. So this can take, that's why I say it gets a stronghold in your life and can take you farther than wherever you thought you'd ever go. And it distorts reality. So an eating disorder, it lies to us about who we are and what we are. And it begins to rob that sense of self and our purpose in our life. There's hope. I can tell you 38 years of seeing people recover and seeing eating disorders, they kind of come in waves. You'll see different seasons and times. Some of it depends, too, what is being kind of promoted in the media. But eating disorders have and are dropping to younger ages. Two-thirds of sixth-grade girls report of going on some form of of a restrictive diet. Let me say that again, and it's not just with girls, but what I read was two-thirds of young girls, sixth grade, have already done some form of a restrictive diet. So this is just saying I'm learning early on that I'm not good enough or something's wrong with me and body shape, body image gets distorted potentially at a very young age. All right, there's hope and there is redemption from an eating disorder. What's that look like? I don't have to live in that bondage anymore. There is freedom and there is hope and there is recovery.